Any Problems with Sports A1 podcast is brought to you by NCSD Apparel. They can be found on Twitter at NCSD underscore apparel. They were established this year in 2018. They make t-shirts from the 330. Represent Northeast Ohio everywhere you go with shirts from NC Sports Design. You can shop now at ncsportsdesign.com. They have a promo code NCSD new at checkout. Get 20% off your purchase for any new followers. That's NCSD new at checkout to get 20% off your purchase if you're a new follower. They have a great new shirt. Go to their Twitter site right now. They have a shirt. They have a Muni Lot shirt. I'm ordering this thing, getting 20% off right when we're done by entering the code N-C-S-D-N-E-W at checkout. On this week's At 88 Problems in Sports A1 podcast, brought to you by TheOhioSportsBlog.com. We're we're recapping the Ohio State TCU game down in Fort Worth. The Buckeyes pulled it out 40-28. Obviously, they're our toughest game of the year so far. We break it down, everything on offense, defense, and special teams and the coaching change that's coming up this week as Urban Meyer comes back. We also got the Brownies. A lot of news out of Bria this this week as the Brownies drop one to the Saints, 18-21, to as they missed a couple field goals and an extra point. We get into that. Browns defense, Browns offense, Browns special teams, um, and what, what they're going to do going forward with the Jets on a short week. We also have the Indians. Wrapping up their third straight AL Central crown, heading into the playoffs. Uh, what their lineup's going to look like, what their pitching rotation could look like. Well, we're looking for the Indians heading to the World Series. We're all pumped up here in Northeast Ohio, and let's go. Charles, the Buckeyes this week struggled for the better part of a half with TCU, great back-and-forth game. But in the end, they got it together and ended up winning the ball game down in uh, Fort Worth. Uh, what are your takes from Saturday night? Yeah, um, the Buckeyes really struggled with uh, TCU's um, speed and fast pace early. I don't think that means that they're slow. Um, I just think that um, TCU um, is a good football team, and the Buckeyes um, just had to get settled in against TCU, um, and eventually talent won out in the game. I'm not saying TCU doesn't have talent, but um, Ohio State just has more, and I think because of that fact, Ohio State's um, Ohio State eventually won out. Um, yeah. Go ahead. Oh, yeah. Ryan Day finishing up his third game as interim head coach. Got done what he needed to do. Got the Buckeyes at 3-0 and as Urban Meyer comes back this week. But, uh, yeah, it was it was clear that Ohio State was playing their best team they played all year. And in Fort Worth, which is uh, essentially a home game for TCU because that's where TCU is. And, um, yeah, it was a great game. You know, the pace of the game was fantastic. And I think it took – Buckeyes a little bit to get caught up to that pace of the game, but once they did that, like you said, their talent took over. Um, Haskins took over. The defense took over and ended up putting them away, forty to twenty-eight, was the final score. 
Yeah, and you said it was essentially a home game, but honestly, I think it was um, the fan base was actually more in favor of the Buckeyes. The Buckeye fans always travel well, and it seemed like the stadium was a, was a little bit more red than it was purple. Um, but um, other than that, though, yeah, I think the linebackers played really well in this game, um, which I really like. I, I really loved seeing that. Um, they definitely improved as the game went on. Um, a little bit of con- and um, Nick Bosa going out. I, you know, most people thought that would hurt us, you know, but it really didn't because um, we had we're so deep at pass pressure. Um, and then we had other we had guys like Draymond Jones step up and take over the game, and he, he ended up earning Big Ten Player of the Week. Yeah, the Buckeyes scored a couple times on defense in that first half, really keeping them in the game. Um, as the offense was getting their footing against TCU. Um, defense had three sacks, Bosa, uh, Draymond Jones, and Jonathan Cooper all had a sack, and Jones and Malik Harrison had interceptions. Jones and Jones' interception went for a pick six. So the defense really came to play after you know rough first week. They gave up 35 to Oregon State. Then they... they Held Rutgers at three points, but we still weren't sure about them because it was Rutgers. But they really came to play on Saturday night and helped Ohio State get their offense, get their footing before they really took command in the second half. Yeah, they played um, – they easily played the most talented team they've played all year. Um, and I'll be the first one to call myself out. Um, I underestimated TCU, um, and I think I have a tendency to do that because I'm such a diehard Buckeye fan. Um but you know what? Um, I'm glad that they th- that they did because they needed the Buckeyes needed a test like that before they played Penn State before they play Penn State in a couple of weeks, um, and I really think that they're going to benefit from this, um, especially Haskins. Um, Haskins, who um, he honestly Haskins looked great all game, but it took the offense a little bit to settle in because this was a. This was definitely a good defense that they were playing. TCU always has a strong defense, um, and Haskins and this offense are going to be better for it. Yeah, you can definitely tell that, um, you know, it was the best. I mean, obviously, it was the best team that they played. This team's going to finish probably top two or three in the Big 12. But, um, yeah, going down there, J.K. Dobbins came out with 121 yards. Um, Mike Weber, 64 yards. Um, they got some receivers. Again, we talked about it last or earlier in the week. Uh, they're spreading it around. K.J. Hill, six catches. Austin Mack, four catches. Paris Campbell, two catches. Um, two big catches, average 33 yards a catch. Uh, Johnny Dixon, four catches. You know, these Perry McLaurin, three catches. You know, these guys, they're spreading the ball around like we talked about, and there's no true number one guy who's going to have 10, 12 catches because they just spread all these catches throughout the receiving core. Yeah, and a lot of people talk about um, they. A lot of people will call Austin Mack the most talented receiver on the team, and it, that's mostly true. Um, Mack did struggle in this game to the tune of four drops, and a lot of us, including me, were calling for Mack to sit. Honestly, um, but I'm glad the coaches kept him in. That's why they're that's why they're coaches, and that's why I'm a fan. Um, but I'll tell you, the one guy who is truly underrated on the in this receiver group is KJ Hill. He's easily the most consistent 
and has probably the second best hands on the team, if not the best to Mac. Um, and he looks more explosive this year. Um, on top of that, Paris Campbell's speed is absolutely elite, and it's a it was a crime that he wasn't included on um, college football players' fastest players list because you saw how elite his speed was. Um, but TCU definitely had some elite speed too. They're no, they, they um, the Buckeyes struggle with that early, but I'm glad that they um, were able to come out on top and eventually deal with that speed um, early on. Yeah, not only does TCU have speed with their athletes, but they also play play on a break breakneck speed. I think first quarter there was probably three, four, maybe half dozen plays that I was watching, and Iowa State's defense wasn't even set, and TCU was snapping the ball. One happened to be the time uh, uh, Bosa got the strip sack, and Iowa State ended up scoring on on the strip sack, but. Uh, they, they, everybody wasn't set, but, you know, TCU plays fast. They're trying to get a lot of plays off, and I think once Ohio State defense and offense caught up to that speed, speed of what the game was going to be played, and the speed of the athletes also, you know, as you said, the elite talent took over for the Buckeyes. Yeah, and like I said, how the Buckeyes struggled with that early, um, they, it was, I think it was more so the um, the hyper speed that the offense was playing at that really that really made them really um, it really made the struggles um, evident for the Buckeyes um, because uh, I don't think speed, competing with speed I don't think that's a problem for them um, because they're generally fast too but I think it was the hyper speed it's reminiscent of what Oregon tried to do to us in the 2014 national title game. Um, but eventually, as we all know, that turned out in the Buckeyes' favor. Um, once the Buckeyes get settled in, they're fine. And ultimately, this is going to be this. This is a te- this was a test that the Buckeyes needed before Penn State. Um, there were some mistakes that they made that ne- that need to be corrected. Um, and this was a good game to find out what those mistakes were that need corrected. Um, it's better to ha- know what those, what those errors are now than to come into a whiteout at Penn state and have to figure out what those mistakes are and correct them in that game. Um, with that being a highly touted conference game. Oh, that's going to be, that's essentially in my eyes going to be the game for the uh, big East East championship. Um, that's going to be a huge game. There's big news, right? Uh, Correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe I read where Nick Bosa is not going to make that trip, more than likely. Yeah, it's likely with his um, with the groin injury that he suffered um, Saturday night that he will probably be miss at um, at least four to six weeks. Um, it could potentially be more, depending on how the injury um, heals, um, and even if he does make it in the four to six week timeline, there's a, there's a, there could be a chance that um, this groin injury lingers throughout the season. So um, yeah, that's a big loss for the Buckeyes. I think we have the players, you know, it's going to be, it's still a big loss. Um, There's no replacing Nick Bosa's talent. Um, And let's hope the kid gets better by um, late in the year and the Buckeyes get back to normal on defense. Yeah, they definitely got enough talent and that defensive line to, to band-aid that position. You're never going to replace Nick Bosa, who a lot of pro scouts are saying is 
maybe better than his brother Joey Bosa, who's currently tearing up the NFL with the Chargers. But, yeah, they, can, they have enough guys to band-aid that situation though he gets back. And that's a that's an injury um, abdominal in the groin where it could – you're right, it could linger if it's not given the right amount of time to heal. They'll definitely be off this week. Um, like you said, four to six weeks. So, that'll put him back in the middle of the Big Ten schedule. And hopefully uh, he can get back to playing his at 100% so he can be the terror off the edge that we all know that he can be. But, uh, yeah. That... Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. Oh. Um, so the Buckeyes go to 3-0, heading into Tulane this week, and then to Penn State the following week. But uh, the other big news out of Ohio sports this weekend, the Brownies. We almost, almost win. They get beat 21 to 18. There's a lot of news surrounding the Browns. We'll start with the game, and then we'll move to the other news. Um, Charles, Tyrod Taylor looks like he played pretty pretty well uh, against the Saints. Not quite as well as we'd hoped. I mean, Fitzpatrick did put 48 on them last week, but the Saints practiced too, and they got a little bit better. But uh, Tyrod Taylor looks like he played well, um, probably about as well as he probably possibly can. Yeah, um, he he played decent. I I wouldn't say he played well. He played decent. He struggled in this game, um, in the pocket. You know, I think his pocket presence is less to be desired. Um, I really think had Baker played the last two weeks, we'd be sitting here at two and zero right now. Um, but Tyrod did eventually make the plays. Um, and if it wasn't for like um the kicking game and whatnot, I th- I think we could have won this. Um, my my problem is is we've had a total of eight turnovers this year and only ten points off of those turnovers and that concerns me a bit with Tyrod, you know. Um, we I I think this offense can do better. Um, and without Josh Gordon, we we seem to um, we have the we have the players to play without Josh Gordon. Um, I just think uh, we lack. Um, Elite, we lack the elite and consistent play at quarterback. Um, and usually Tyrod's very consistent, but he's not elite. And I think that's what's hurting this offense right now. Uh, I, I agree with you. I, I think it's uh, I think it limits what Todd Haley's willing to call as far as sending shots down the field because Tyrod's just not willing to do that. Um, it's I mean, it's just they're very limited right now with him at quarterback. He was 20 three of 22 of 30. I mean, that's pretty good completion. We're sending 246 yards, a touchdown and interception. But like you said, we had eight turnovers. We've got eight turnovers this year as the Browns have gotten um, and 10 points off of them. They need to cash some more of those in. Uh, and, set, and another thing, like, I know we missed two field goals and an extra point, but those two field goals, we got to start turning those into touchdowns because, I mean, that's, that's on the offense too because we got enough offensive firepower offensive talent, that if we had a good trigger man, a really a good to elite quarterback, that we should be putting up 25, 30 points a night. I mean, primarily, the Jacksonville Jaguars, who have Blake Bortles, who is a very average NFL quarterback, they're putting up 30 points. They put 38 points up against the Patriots. So we need, with our firepower on offense, we need to be putting up 30 a game and making teams chase us instead of us trying to chase them. Yeah, um, and that puts a lot of pressure on our offense at the end of the day when we're not doing that, and it puts pressure on the defense. Um, 
the defense has um, come up with some big plays, but they're not always to make the not always able to make those plays, you know. And when the offense isn't consistent like that, sometimes the defense make mistakes. Case in point, the Saint, we led for most of that game, and the Saints came back and scored a couple touchdowns late. Um, so you know, this is definitely definitely something needs to change. Um, I I'm um. I'm of the uh, party that says Baker needs to be playing right now. Um, I I don't think Tyrod um, should be running this offense. Um, There's definitely some things, like you said, Todd Haley is afraid to call with him out there. Um, I do believe, though, that that fourth down deep pass to Antonio Callaway showed some real balls in Todd Haley to call that play on a fourth down. Um, I, I didn't see it as a desperation play because um, Tyrod could have went anywhere else and he chose to go deep. So I, I think that showed some balls. And I'd love to – if Tyrod can make some more plays like that, I think I would be more inclined to um, keep Tyrod out there. But he doesn't always, he doesn't always do that. Um, he tries to make the safe play, as we call it sometimes. Um, and his pocket escapability is just less to be desired. I think he takes too many sacks. Yeah, well, yeah, he doesn't help his uh, offensive line out uh, very much at all. And he, you're right, he does. He takes the safe play, which um, he's basically a poor man's Alex Smith. If that makes sense, um, he's going to make the try to make the safe play, not turn it over, let the defense uh, win games. But we need to do a little bit more offensively to. Help our, like you said, help our defense out. Our defense in, in eight eight quarters in an overtime has given up 42 points. They give up 21 points a game. So, our defense is playing well. Uh, we have guys coming off the edge making sacks. We have guys getting turnovers. Greg Williams has to be thrilled with the play of this defense. And you want a team in the NFL to 21 points. You should win one or if not both of those games. Because with this offensive firepower we have with Hyde, Chubb, and Joku, who's struggling, but he needs to come through a little more. Landry, um, Callaway, all these guys. We need to be scoring in the 20, 25 to 30 points a night. And then the defense can then get some rest a little bit, play with the lead, and then, you know, see just see just how good this defense is. This defense is when we have the lead and they're playing with it. Yeah, um, this defense is elite. Um, they are ready to compete right now. This is a good football team. The fact that we held, we held two teams to 21 points in total, two elite offensive teams to 21 points total, that speaks to how good this defense really is. Um, and we need we need to do better. Um, and uh, with, like you said, the playmakers and the firepower we have on offense. I mean, Landry has looked every bit of the part of the guy that we thought he would be when we acquired him. Callaway, with his play last game, looks like an absolute star. Um, and I'm hope hopefully we see a lot more of him now that Josh Gordon is not going to be a part of the team. And Joku definitely needs to pick it up, as well as Carlos Hyde needs to pick it up. Because Carlos Hyde hasn't been that great um, these first couple games. But I believe that he can get better. Um, he's a very talented back, and I think he just we just got to keep giving him the reps. If we stay confident in him, um, he'll eventually reward us. Um, and I also think part of it is too his quarterback play is affecting him. Um, but you know, um, eventually, I think um, this team 
can win quite a few ball games this year. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that. I think the quarterback play is definitely affecting Hyde. If they can loosen up the defense with some passing, more effective passing, um, I think it opens up running lanes for Hyde, and he'll become a more effective offensive player for us. But in the NFL, everything offensively stems from the quarterback, and we just need better quarterback play. And I think this Thursday against the Jets um, is going to be a huge week for Ty, uh, for Tyrod Taylor. I can see him. With that 10 days after the Thursday night game, I could definitely see him. That's a perfect time for him to get replaced by Baker Mayfield. you got 10 days to get him ready for the Raiders, to go out to the Raiders. Um, So this is a humongous week, even bigger than – I thought last week was big for Tyrod Taylor, but this week's probably even bigger because they have – going right into that 10-day layoff uh, before the Raiders, that's a perfect time to be able to get Baker ready to play. And I was just looking at the – Saints, holy smokes, the Saints look like uh, the Buckeyes of the South, huh? Michael Thomas, Ted Ginn Jr., leading them in receiving. you got uh, Vaughn Bell, Marshawn Lattimore, Cameron Jordan. Buckeyes all over this uh, roster for the Saints. Yeah, and I got to say, I love how they, um, they, dra- they draft um, Buckeye players, you know. Um, that makes me actually like the Saints a lot more. Um, and I'm not mad to, for losing... Get losing to them. I'm mad at the way that we lost to them. Um, but yeah, so like you said, this this Thursday is a, a is a humongous game for Tyrod. If Tyrod does not show up in this game and the Browns lose again, you know, people are gonna be calling for his head. And honestly, it's it's right rightfully so at this point. Um, he's got to come out and he's got. Dolphins, let's just put it this way. The Dolphins just put up 20 points against the Jets, who people were louding after their first game against the Lions. Um, If the Browns can't come out and win this game Thursday night, the call for Baker is going to get so much louder. Um, And like you said, they're going to have 10 days to prepare him for the Raiders if that is the route that they choose to go. So Tyrod needs to come out, and he needs to play really good in this game. And this offense needs to come out and play strong, and we need to come out with a victory Thursday night. Yeah, and if, if like you said, Baker have those 10 days, uh, and he'll have, not only have 10 days to get ready for the Raiders, but he'll have 13 games under fire to learn on the job and, you know, to take this job into 2019. But other and the game, as you mentioned before, the game, they missed two field goals and an extra point, and Zane Gonzalez was cut which makes a lot of people happy. And they signed Greg Joseph. He played at FAU last year. Um, I mean, I had to make that move after he missed those kicks. I mean, we, we're starving for a win here. You have to make those kicks. And um, I'm not going to say it on the pod, but Todd Haley said it during hard knocks. They have one job. Exactly. Um, and you cannot miss those kicks when you are given those opportunities. Um Word is that he was uh, kicking with a groin injury, um, and that's just as much on the Browns as it is on Zane. Um, that might have been a reason for his struggles, but um, I think most Brown fans will tell you, after what we've seen from Zane the last couple of years, it's not just a groin injury. The kid just doesn't have it. Um, he was a great kicker in college, but that doesn't necessarily translate to the NFL. 
Um, so, and they're, uh, the NFL is a success now league. And if you do not succeed now, you will be replaced. Um, this kid that they're replacing him with, um, only kicked his field goal percentage in college was 69.5%. Um, and I think most Browns fans are like cringing at that, but you know, that's actually a decent field goal percentage, but don't look at his college stat, college stats, um, because they're not, um, <laughs> the college stats are not what determines success in the NFL. I mean, Zane Gonzalez was one of the best kickers in college and he has easily been one of the worst kickers in the NFL. So um, as a Browns fan, I'm going to not pay attention to that. I'm going to give the, I'm going to trust that this kid can come in here and improve the improve the kicking game. Um, And if a guy like, if guys like Cairo Santos, Dan Bailey and, um, Blair Walsh are out there and John Dorsey's going this guy, then that tells me that there's this kid has something that um, those other guys don't. Um, so I'm going to trust in John Dorsey when it comes to this kid. Yeah, and I think one thing that hurt the Browns as far as getting kickers, if the Minnesota Vikings don't struggle kicking the field goals yesterday either, I think they probably have their pick of kickers that were on the free agent market, but uh, the Vikings are a pretty solid team, probably looking to make a run in the NFC, maybe to the Super Bowl type defense. And so they were going to have the, probably the best kicking candidate was going to go to the Vikings. But, um, hey, I, let's stop and mention that for a second. When's the last time, first week, second week, there was a tie? I mean, this 10-minute rule has wreaked havoc on the standings of the NFL. Yeah, that was crazy. I was watching the end of that game, and I just couldn't believe how we just had a tie t- two weeks in a row. Um, this, I, I, th- I think the NFL needs to adopt more of the college overtime rules, where you start the teams at the twenty-five yard line. You give them both a, you, basically you stick them in the red zone. They offense has to has to um, either has to get a touchdown or a field goal. And then the other offense gets a chance to um, better or tie that score. Um, and if they tie it, then they go to another overtime. If not, then then the game's over. I mean, I think this ten minute tie crap. I think it's just it, it's got to go. You yeah, you can't have t- ties in the NFL. No, it's. I mean, it's. Yeah, I've never seen this many ties. I mean, ties were like once every seven or eight years, and now we've had two back to back weeks. So. And it's going to wreak havoc on the standings at the end of the year. But the let's back to the Brownies this this week against the Jets. If they win, they're one one and one. They're right in the they're right in the thick of things in the AFC North. With the Steelers going to o one and one, and they have a Monday nighter against Arizona, uh, not Arizona, who they play? Uh, Buccaneers, who are red hot at at the Buccaneers against red hot Ryan Fitzpatrick. So they they could liable to lose uh, down there. They could go to o two and one. Um, the, the Ravens and Bengals are not really scared of either of them. So the Browns win Wednesday, play well. They're right back in the thick of things for the AFC North and going forward. Yeah. Um, and it's because of that tie that be, we'll be right back in the thick of things, but it's also because of the um, elite defense that we've had. Um, I mean, Miles Garrett what wreaked havoc on Ben Roethlisberger in week one. And then, as you could tell, Miles Garrett was a little absent in this game, but it didn't seem to matter because uh, uh, Larry Ogunjobi was all over Drew Brees in this game. Um, so we're definitely right in the thick of things. Um, 
if we can win Thursday night. And I think we have a chance to win Thursday night. I also think we'll have a chance to beat the Raiders the following week. Um, right now, I, th- I, I think this team is really good. Um, and we should technically be 2-0 and right now, but we're not. And we're going to have to live with that. But um, this, this Jets game is a huge game for the Browns overall. And yes, it's a huge game this week. And other news coming out of Bria today: the Browns trade much maligned receiver Josh Gordon to the Patriots for conditional fifth round pick. Um, I'm kind of like I'm kind of in the camp. He's a tremendous talent, and he'll probably be awesome for the Patriots. Uh, but I'm I'm in the camp of it was time for him to go. This this marriage of Gordon and the Browns just wasn't going to work. They've tried, they've tried, they've tried. It wasn't going to work. It's good. Trade him, get him out of town, and let's move forward with guys like Antonio Callaway and uh, guys like that. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I'm also in the camp of, you know, it was time for him to go. Um, his, uh, his behavior off the field immensely outweighed his talent, and this team needed a culture change. And if John Dorsey's going to change the culture, it's going to start with um, trading away guys like Josh Gordon, who, despite all their talent, had too many off-the-field issues. Now, granted, he, um, this one was a very minor off-the-field off issue, but not in the Browns' eyes because the Browns stated it from the beginning. They're going to support Josh, but he was also running on um, very thin ice when he got back. Um, and to straight – to injure your hamstring in a promotional shoot and then um, miss uh, uh, miss practice or miss the flight the next day, you know that that's um, behavior that the Browns have seen in the past that have often led to um, w- uh, what eventually resulted in suspensions for Josh, and we just can't afford that right now with Josh. Um, this team is ready to compete now, and you know. Um, I, I think losing him is a loss, um, but with a kid like Antonio Callaway, it's not as big as a loss as it normally would be. Um, so I think this I think this is a good move for both parties. Uh, fifth round conditional pick is probably the best we could have done for him, um, and I'm not mad at losing Josh Gordon. No, I, no I'm with you too. It's just it's just time to go. Um workout obviously um he was we weren't doing something and he's going to the Patriots where everyone knows it's Bill Belichick's way he's either going to get in line or he's going to get go find another job and once you get cut from the Patriots it's the there's no coming back from that really so uh he probably traded him to the, for personal reasons probably the best place he could be traded to because he's going to learn real quick that he's either going to fall in line with the Patriot way or he's going to be out of the league so Hopefully he and for Josh Gordon. I mean, Josh Gordon's a great talent. Um, he had sixteen hundred yards in fourteen games. Randy Moss nor Tower Owens did that in their career. So the guys obviously can play. And I hope personally for him, he can get it turned around to where he gets his life straightened out. He can stay in the league and be a be a top tier receiver, which we all know he can be. But I'm not upset that the Browns, you know, got got him out of here and went to the Patriots. And I think going to the Patriots for Gordon will be fantastic for him. Because he's either going to either going to fall in line or he's going to be out of the league. So, it's right now it's probably it's uh it's do or die time for him. But back to the Brownies. I mean, 
Him moving out moves in a guy like Antonio Callaway, who obviously can run. He's got great speed. Um, young guy that can play. Going to be here for years, hopefully. So, like you said, we're ready to win now. And getting that distraction out of the locker room, out of the out of the news and off the team is probably a great thing for the culture. John Dorsey's trying. John Dorsey's trying to build here. Yeah, um, and it's, I think it's also great for Antonio Callaway because, as we all know, um, this kid has first round talent, but he went in the fourth round um, because of character issues. Um, and removing a guy like Josh Gordon is just only going to help support that kid even more. And I think he needs our support more than Josh Gordon does at this point right now. Josh Gordon Josh Gordon's at a point in his life where he should be a perennial Pro Bowl, Pro Bowler every year. But because of off-the-field problems, he hasn't been. So, um, you know... Cal, this is a this is a great opportunity for Callaway, and I think this kid can do it. I mean, he honestly he looks a lot like AB out there, um, and he's uh, good friends with AB, so um, I I can definitely see this kid um, being a, pot- a potentially Pro Bowl wide receiver for the Browns. Yeah, I love Callaway. I love his game, and being a young rookie, like you said, good thing get him get the distractions away from him. The bad, the bad uh, influence away from him, and hopefully he can come through and be a, like you said, a pro bowler, all pro guy for us for years to come. And now moving on to three AL Central division crowns in a row, the Cleveland Indians have wrapped up the division, wrapped up our playoff spot, um, getting the rotation, getting everybody in line for the, for a big playoff push. Uh, Three, I mean, three AL Central championships in a row. Nothing to seize that. I know it's not the strongest division, but to come through, Indians coming through with Terry Francona as the manager, coming through, winning the division three years in a row, being in a World Series two years ago, playoffs last year, and this year, who knows? But for the city, for everything else, it's fantastic. Oh yeah, without a doubt. Um, I've, I I was hoping for a great weekend with a Browns win. And on top of the Indians clinching the division and the Buckeyes winning, but you know it obviously didn't play out that way. Um, but anyways, the Indians um, winning the division for the third straight year. Um, granted, the division is nothing to snuff at. That's still some, that's still very impressive, especially for a Cleveland team to be dominating a division like they have been the last three years. Um, and it speaks to the um, consistency of this front office to not only improve this team, um, but uh, to put the talent on the field, um, this team is a this team is mostly filled with guys whom we've developed into in our system, um, and uh, we're Cleveland is prepared for another um, strong playoff run, and hopefully this time we get the job done. Yeah, that's one thing that I'm pretty proud of this team about is most of these guys are are homegrown guys or guys that we traded for. Uh, we traded one of our like um, think. Corey Kluber came over in the Jake Westbrook trade. Uh, guys came over in the Cliff Lee trade. You know, we traded some of our big-time guys for these guys and developed them. And, you know, now they're mainstays on the team. They're mainstays in the city. And, you know, third straight AL Central crown. Um, I mean, it's it's great. I mean, it's not like, you know, and the Yankees are the Yankees, and they have what they have. But, you know, it's different when these guys have come up through this farm system. You know, Francisco Lindor. Jose Ramirez, those guys, 
MVP candidates this year played in Lake County for the Captains. They played in Akron for the Arrows, Columbus. They played in Mahoning Valley in the small in the, uh, the single A club. You know, they played in all those places around town. Now they're the stars of the team, and just something about that. Those guys growing up with, you know, growing up, we're watching them grow up before our eyes. You know, for the Indians, it's just different than going out and giving some guy a $170 million contract or $300 million contract. Um, and they, you know, and then they come over and you just build your team that way. There's just something to be said about the development and the scouting system we must have to develop these guys into the players that they are today. Yeah. Um, like you said, uh, Corey Kluber was, he, de- yes, he was acquired in the um, Jake Westbrook trade. We got him in a three-way trade from the San Diego Padres in between the St. Louis Cardinals. Um, that was probably the best move that I've seen the Indians make in so many years. The guy has two Cy Young awards, potentially three. Um, Jose Ramirez um, signed for $50,000 out of the Dominican Republic. Um, he was not, by far not one of the uh, most talented guys out there when we signed him, but uh, that he's turned into an absolute star speaks to um, the way we develop these guys. Um, And then a guy like Frankie Lindor, who's absolutely my favorite player on this Indians team. um, He was known for mostly his defense. Um, And ever since he's been in the majors, he's been known for his defense and his offense. Um, He upped his game when he got to the majors. And a lot of these guys tend to be upping their game when they get to the majors. And if they don't up their game, they steadily improve. Um, guys like Trevor Bauer and Mike Clevenger are um, great um, examples of that. Um, Trevor Bauer, before he went down with his ankle injury, looked like um, the next Cy Young Award winner on the in, in the Indians rotation. And then Mike Clevenger improved from a guy who had trouble going um, six innings last year because of control issues to a guy who um, – could be counted on to go six plus innings um and um he has strikeout ability um he's it's very reminiscent of a guy like Corey Kluber I don't know if he'll ever get to the level of Corey Kluber but um his their their stats are very similar yeah we have um along our starting pitching this is how good our starting pitching is we have five guys with double digit wins um and like you're talking about Clevenger Clevenger's got 12 wins, eight losses. Um, his ERA is it's 3.06, but it, lately he's been pitching. He's been pitching really, really well. Um, I I wouldn't be, it wouldn't, I would not feel bad if um, Mike Clevenger had to start some games for us in the playoffs. I mean, I I feel like Clevenger is pitching in his. He hit a little swoon there in the middle of August. You know, because he's pitching the most innings he's ever pitched. And he hit a little swoon there, but now he's, you know, he's picking it up. His last couple starts have been real, real good. So I wouldn't be upset if uh, Clevenger had to start a couple games for us in the playoffs. I would feel pretty confident, as a matter of fact. Yeah, and I just saw something. um, I think it was earlier today. they said that um, it's not out of the question that the Indians would consider um, putting Trevor Bauer in the bullpen. So if they do that, um, Mike Clevenger is definitely going to be um, a staple of the postseason rotation. Um, 
And honestly, I could see, I could definitely see them doing that with Trevor Bauer coming off an ankle injury, not wanting to um, push him too far. Um, and with the way our bullpen has been so up and down this year, that could be a potentially really strong move for this team. Um, but also, I think it'll, um, if they do that too, um, I think that means Shane Bieber could potentially be in the rotation for the postseason too. Um, and that would have to speak to, the confidence that they have in this kid to um, get the job done because he's been a revelation as well this year too. Yeah, Bieber's ten and four right now. Uh, pitched one hundred four innings. Um, he's got he's got a little over he got a four and a half ERA, but I mean for a four starter in the playoffs, they did send Bauer to the bullpen for at least for that first series, the division series. I mean that could be it's a strong rotation with Kluber, Clevenger, Carrasco, uh, and Bieber. Um, and with Bauer able to, you know, if we could only get five innings out of Bieber and Clevenger, maybe, you know, then you could bring Bauer in for a couple innings, a couple, two, three innings to get to the eighth, ninth inning to bring that, to bring Hand in, to bring Cody Allen in, Andrew Miller, whoever it might be. So, I mean, if Bauer did go to the bullpen, he does give you that luxury where he can go three or four innings in a game and not kill you because he's used to pitching his full games. Exactly, um, and I, I see that as a strength, um, as a strength for the Indians. Um, something that I think the other teams just don't have. Um, our rotation is is always one of the best in the league, if not the best in the league. Um, so um, to do that, um, let Trevor Bauer get his feet back under him, and then hopefully, as long as we win out in the division series, which I think um, right now we would be playing the Astros. Um, to get to be able to get past them would be amazing, um, and I think uh, a move maybe like that with Trevor Bauer in the bullpen for that series would go a long way into helping them do that. Yeah, and just back to the starting pitching. If you look at quality starts, um, Kluber leads with twenty three, Clevenger is next with twenty, and Trevor Bauer also has twenty. To speak to how good Trevor Bauer was in the regular season, he has twenty five games started in 20 uh, quality starts. So, I mean, that's fantastic. I mean, it's almost – it's pretty sad that he ended up getting hurt and missing the last month of the season because he probably would have won Cy Young looking at these numbers. Um, I mean, because he would have – he had 12 wins right now. I mean, if he had three or four more starts, he'd have 15, 16 wins. Um, I mean, he would be right up there in all the leading categories. He still leads us in strikeouts. He Pitched in a month, and he still leads with 214 strikeouts. So, um, but yeah, putting him in the bullpen for three or four innings to give us uh, to help out a Clevenger or a Beaver, and then we'd have to rely on Kluber and Carrasco to get us sixth into the seventh inning or out of the sixth inning, seventh inning, um, and a quality great start for them would be getting us to the eighth inning. But we, we rely on them to pitch a few more innings than we would Clevenger and Beaver would be awesome, and especially against the Astros in that division series, which if we do play them. That's going to be that's going to be must see TV uh, as they you know that that'll be a seven game series in my opinion. It'll just be back and forth and but um, two great teams just going out in the division series. Yeah, um, technically, actually, the division series only goes five games, but it'll go the full five games. Um, yeah. But. Um, yeah, like going back to what you're saying about the rotation, you know, you're talking. We we're talking about all these guys, and we haven't. You you mentioned him slightly, but we have barely mentioned him in this whole time. 
Carlos Carrasco has been absolutely elite this year. He, I mean, he just posted his second consecutive season of uh, 200 plus strikeouts. Um, this guy is absolutely the number two right now. Um, he has the ability to be an ace for this club. Um, and I think he is an X factor going into the postseason for us. Um, and it's just another reason to like the Indians in the postseason. I think this team, um, I think part of the reason why this team hasn't won as much is maybe it's kind of that Cavs fever. It's like, oh, you know, we're going to make the playoffs anyways. Um, but, you know, I also think that we've had some holes this year that we've had to get right. And if we can, as long as we're hitting on all cylinders by the end of the year, I think we'll be just fine and we could see another deep postseason run. Yeah, by the end of the season, we're likely to have uh, two 30-plus home run guys, two 30-plus home run and 100 RBI guys, and uh, Ramirez and Eddie Encarnacion um, both will hit that plateau. And, I mean, Lindor's got 35 homers. Alonzo, 23. So we got some power in this lineup. Um, and it's going to be fun coming down the stretch, seeing them head into October and what they can accomplish in the postseason. Yeah, and that's not even to mention um, the fact that we acquired Josh Donaldson, who looks like he's just starting to get his feet back under him. And if we see the Josh Donaldson, Josh Donaldson that we've seen with Toronto over the last few years, this offensive lineup is going to be absolutely dangerous with guys like you said, um, Eddie Encarnacion and Jose Ramirez, um, b- both with 30-plus home runs and 100-plus RBIs, and Frankie Lindor, who has 30-plus home runs um, right now. Too. I mean, this offense is absolutely dangerous right now, but um, Josh Donaldson can make it uh, can make it that much more lead. Um, and he seems like he's um, fully healthy, and that was a great move by the Indians. Oh yeah, it's it just if he because he hit a bomb the other night, just like uh, reminiscent of when he was MVP, and you know him hitting in that five hole. Alonzo goes to six. Now you're seven, eight hitters, Kittness and Jan Gomes. Kittness has 15 homers and Jan Gomes has 14. Now that's now that's a very potent, potent lineup uh, that's going to score a lot of runs and help these starters out and that bullpen out as we run into uh, October. Yeah, I'm looking forward to Ohio sports um, and um, Indians postseason uh, baseball right now. Um, it looks like we got a lot going for us um, with the Browns potentially getting their first victory of the year, hopefully, and um, Indians going into the postseason and the Buckeyes playing at the top of their game. Yeah. Um, yeah, Ohio sports this fall is going to be great. The Buckeyes rolling 3-0. Urban Meyer is coming back this week for Tulane and then Penn State the week after. The Brownies playing better. We're going to get that win this week. Though. I feel it. I have a feeling we're going to get that win. Um, and then who knows what's down the pipe for them as they keep making changes to make that team better than the Indians rolling into October with a team looking for the World Series. Basically, World Series are busting us starting pitching that offense. But next time we record will probably be before the Browns game on Thursday. Uh, we got a short week this week uh, with them playing the Jets at home. But look for us. We'll give you – We'll give you a little preview of that game before the Je- before the Browns Jets game, and uh, we'll see you on Thursday.